On today's episode, I have an epic conversation with Clifford Big Cat Starks. We talk all about his upbringing, his time as a professional fighter within the UFC, and talk about how everything culminated with him starting and running his own mindset and coaching business. Clifford, my man, thank you for joining me, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. No worries, man. So as with everyone, um, I'd love to hear a bit of your background story. Um, you know, what you've been through. I know you've got some really, really, really cool stuff there, including uh, previously being a UFC fighter. So I'd love to touch on that as well. Just a bit of your story, your background, your childhood, uh, really the lead through to where you are and who you are and what you are doing today. So let's go. Okay, awesome. Well, I'm currently a mindset coach. Epic. And I didn't realize that other people don't necessarily think like me. I think <laughs> as an entrepreneur, you kind of learn that not everybody's the same, mm-hmm. specifically as that and as a coach. And so going through my personal struggles, my trials and tribulations, and the way that I, I faced them was face on. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been kind of a face on type person. I've, I've tackled my difficult times. And so it's almost, it was almost inevitable for me to get into fighting in the first place. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, it started with, uh, back when I remember the youngest I can remember my, my mom and dad, and I call them the sperm donor. <laughs> not to disrespect, yeah, not not to disrespect him in any way, but just to say he he was not a father figure in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, he came as fast as he as he left, and I thought it was my fault at first. Mm-hmm. As a kid, you know, you're kind of wondering what you did wrong. Yeah, and so I was just kind of I kept to myself, and I kind of got that feeling like you're in life by yourself and you have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You have to put things together. No one's there for you, which wasn't true. You know, my mom was always there for me, but when you're, when you're young, you look at the bad instead of the good. Yeah, for sure. And then my, uh, my dad, my real dad, I call him, who's technically not my dad by blood, but he showed me what a father figure was. You know, he treated me, with respect and with the dignity that I deserved. Nice. And he, yeah, he just, he, it, it's funny because he kind of put everything on me too. Mm-hmm. He loved me, but it was my responsibility to not only love myself, but get out of jams if I put myself in a jam. You know, it really came down to responsibility. He had me look in the mirror one day and he said, make sure to take responsibility in life for the good and the bad. There's consequences to everything that you do. And I really That's took that to point. Such good advice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was honestly, to this day, and I'm 38 now, mm-hmm. to this day, I'm glad he gave me that. Yeah. Because when he, when he instilled that in me, it just kind of, it put me, it gave me the power, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that, that's what it is. It's almost like you've knighted that person the power to yeah. make the decision on their life. Exactly. And I I honestly think that so many of the issues that are so prevalent in society today 
literally come down to that. Like they literally come down to not taking responsibility for things and like obsession with passing off responsibility and blaming someone else and blaming a situation or blaming society. We're really, like you said, it's, it's like you're knighted with that. It's almost like a gift. You're like, shit, maybe everything is up to me. And when you understand that you can do crazy shit with your life. It's insane. Like the power it gives you Mm -hmm. because then you start trying to figure shit out, you know, like, you don't wait for something to get better. You don't ask for things to get better. You make them better. Yep. And so when I had, when I had that, like, yeah, I had tough times and I had some good times. I had a little bit of both. I had people who loved me. I had people who didn't love me. I had people who said they loved me and didn't act like they loved me. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's a cascade of different personalities and people living their own perspective. And when I got the ability to realize like this came later on, uh, it was more of the psychology aspect of it, but having responsibility, I knew I had responsibility of me, of my well-being, of what I could do. Mm -hmm. And having that responsibility, I just took it upon myself to do the things that I wanted to do. And a lot of times when you tell people you're going to do something, Especially when your kids, <laughs> they're, <laughs> yeah. waiting for, they're waiting for you to fail. Like yep. they're waiting for it. Yeah. And I don't really know why that is exactly. Um, I actually, I still think about that to this day because I've always wanted people to succeed. I've yep. always been really big on wanting people to succeed. Yeah. And I think maybe it's because they're dealing with their own struggles and problems. Exactly. As I speak about it out loud, like it's just. People deal with their own issues, their own problems, and they don't know how to process it. Exactly. So they process that's, that's, it. That's what I reckon, man. Like 100%. I reckon when people want people to fail and so many people actually desire other people to fail, which seems crazy because like you, I'm someone who I genuinely want people to succeed and be fulfilled and find success and, and be happy. Yeah. I genuinely want that for people. But I think so often when people say that they're going to do that and then they actually go and do it, it brings up so much shit within people to make yeah. them feel inadequate. Like they, they see other people doing what they wish they were doing and they haven't done mm-hmm. it because they've let themselves, you know, like be roadblocked by fear or whatever it may be. And it makes them feel not worthy, but that's on them. That's not on you. So. Yeah, but the scary thing to me was these were kids that were doing yeah, it. That's crazy. Like, that's what was weird to me about it. Like I, I, I get adults being that way, mm-hmm. but a kid like, and I guess as I think about it even deeper, kids really do mimic adults. Yeah. So it could be the adults teaching him, them that way because sad. yeah, it, it really, it's, it's unfortunate, but if you're afraid to fail and you're afraid to try things, because mommy and daddy are telling you that you can't and that you're crazy for doing it, Mm. then that might, you know, it passes on. Mm. And so what I got passed on was you can do whatever you want. You know, that's what I, I haven't done drugs. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't do stupid things often. I mean, everybody has their stupid moments, (laughs) But, but overall, you know, I was, I was mature. I did the things that I needed to do. And I really think it was because I had the option to do it. Yeah. I had the option. I just had to deal with the consequences of, of the options. Man. 
you you literally took one of the most important lessons from a young age and applied it. Like I, it just I wish more people did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I my my old thing is I believe that each generation is supposed to get better than the last. I agree. And so, yeah, like my son, you know, I want my son to be better than I was. Mm -hmm. And I want his son or daughter to be better than he was mm -hmm. and to continue to, to pass the torch on and make each generation a little bit better than, than the last generation. And with that, it, it comes with easy times and hard times. It comes with people loving you and people really shitting on you too like you need a little bit of everything yeah that duality right yes yes and so that's one thing I've, I've always tried to test myself I've always done my best to see what I could do and how I could do it better and there was a funny story so I was on a uh, podcast recently with another fighter and I was telling him the story of, did, did you play any sports, Nick? I played a bunch of sports. I never really got good at one thing, <laughs> but I'm, okay. really, I'm really into powerlifting at the moment. And I kind of want to take that all the way. So I'm pretty committed to that. Oh, go all in. Go all mm. in, man. Yeah. Have fun with it. Yeah. So I was wrestling in high school. And I remember I did a camp before I started actually wrestling for the team. Mm-hmm. And then after the camp, we, we did the uh, team practice. And at the, at the end of practice, he's taken us through conditioning. Mm -hmm. Well, at this time, I didn't know what conditioning was. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm going through this and, and I go over to a teammate and I'm like, man, what did we do to make the coach so mad? <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, Clint, that, that's conditioning. He does that after every practice. And I'm like, oh, crap. All right. Well, it looks like I just learned something new. And I, I liked it. You know, it, it's fun. It's, it's hard, but it's fun. Hard times can be fun yeah. if you allow them to be. And if you know you're getting something at the end of the tunnel, yeah. that's what it comes down to. And then now that makes people do the things that they need to do and become the things that they need to become. And so one of the most important lessons I've ever had was the ability to have real grit yeah. to move, like to move forward, no matter what, no matter what's stopping you, no matter what's in your way, you just keep moving forward a little bit more each day. You'll get to where you need to go, but you have to believe that you'll get there because the second you start having doubts, you'll give yourself excuses and reasons to walk away from it. Yeah. It's such a good way to put it. Like I, I think grit as well is just a culmination of what you learned at a, a young age, which was taking accountability for everything. Like you learn grit when you realize that it's actually down to you and that builds mm -hmm. that grit. Yes, absolutely. That's cool. When you see like, look, the world's not looking out for you. That's <laughs> not a bad thing. It's yeah. not a bad thing. It's not meant to be a bad thing because I say, just because the world's not fair doesn't mean I don't have to be. Uh -huh. That's good. I still get the option to be fair, but I have to be strong because the world will break you. Mm -hmm. It will break you. And you have to be able to build yourself mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, because yeah. it's going to get hard. It's going to get tough. And it's what are you going to do during those times? Yeah.
And that's what was so cool with, honestly, the fighting. The fighting, I actually graduated from ASU in 2005. And I didn't start fighting until 2008. It might have been, it was between late 2008, early 2009. Mm -hmm. And I did it because I wanted to compete again. I missed it. Because when you compete, all of those voices come out. The strong ones, the weak ones, the not so sure ones, all of those voices come out. And you get to, to act despite them. Like that's what true competition is. Mm-hmm. Competing when they say you're only competing with yourself, you absolutely are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to push boundaries. You have to go to levels you didn't think you were capable of going to. I remember one time we would do hills and we do these sprints and I would get nervous just thinking about getting ready to do these sprints. Like just, I would feel like this weird wrenching feeling in my stomach knowing that I was about to push myself to a level my body didn't want to go to. (laughs) (laughs) My body would be like, are you sure you want to do this? This is going to be shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's like you command yourself. You command your emotions. You command your body. You have a spirit that makes the, that makes the decisions. Not the body, mm-hmm. not just the mind. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the heart, that grit. And when you have that, nothing can stop you from your destination. You just have to target, target yeah. a destination and go to it. Yeah. I love that, man. That's so good. Um, and leading on to that, like, how was your UFC career? That would have been insane. Like, I, can, I can't even imagine, like you were saying, those voices at such a high-intensity, high-level sport, how prominent they'd be. And for you to actually go out there and be on the world stage fighting, like something that already is scary for 99% of the population, doing that uh, at such a high level, man. Like I cannot imagine the skills well, required for doing that. I'll tell you. So they say the devil's in the details, the, the inches, mm-hmm. you know, the yep. tightness of your game. Yep. So you have to have a really tight game mm-hmm. to play at that level because everyone's good there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every, everyone's good good (laughs) and not only that it's you have to hurry up and wait and what i mean by that is you're waiting a week Mm -hmm. to fight Mm -hmm. to get ready to fight someone who is as big as you and as strong as you Mm -hmm. and so you're gonna have an emotional roller coaster dealing with all of that stuff going on like it's just it's a crazy (laughs) crazy Yeah, it's a crazy feeling. It's kind of like, because people, when they're in panic mode, they want to just act. Yeah. Like, I got it. If I act, I'll feel better. Mm -hmm. But you don't get that option. You have to sit and stew and wait for your moment. And you got to maintain, you know? And so when you can do that, like, but that's the best feeling ever. Because it's part of the test. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's part of the test of... So what would be the highlight of your UFC career? Huh. You know, it's kind of funny because most people wouldn't take this as a highlight. Mm-hmm. But I got knocked out by, I don't know if you know Yoel Romero. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. So he caught me with that damn flying knee. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> and yeah, he caught me from he caught me from so far away. I mean, it, the explosion was absolutely insane. Yeah. And the reason it was a highlight was because I got to show who I am. Because mm-hmm. I had the option to just quit mm-hmm. and say I'm done. Like. My jaw literally hurt for six months after. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, it, it was not fun. And so, <laughs> but I kept training on it. I actually trained a week after the fight. So they, they give you suspension when, when you have a concussion. Yeah. And they gave me, a, I believe it was a 30-day suspension. Mm-hmm. But I had to keep training, you know? And I was like, I'm going to come back. And I'll just come back stronger than I was before. Yeah. And so I wasn't fighting in the UFC anymore after that fight. It's funny. It happens that way sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I was still fighting at high levels. I was fighting in Bellator. I fought in uh, the WSOF. Mm -hmm. And my game just kept getting sharper and it kept getting better. And that's where you get like those failures. That's when you really get tested. I didn't want that to happen. It would have been nice to go away with the victory. Yeah. Yeah. But life doesn't always give you that. Yeah. And so as a highlight, that is my highlight because the highlight is now what are you going to do? What yeah, are you going to do? About that. Yeah. And I proved that I could get back up. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. When, when life says, what are you going to do next? I say, I'm going to get back up mm-hmm. and then continue to move forward. That's beautiful. And again, another another skill that you can carry on for the remainder of your life that is going to play out so many times and in so many ways. Um, And I guess also in being a father now, that's something you can share with your son that again, alongside taking responsibility is probably one of the single greatest lessons someone can learn. Yeah, I really, yeah. Mm. I, I won a hundred percent and appreciate my dad And the crazy thing, me being a dad, it's so nuts because I do my best to to be my best, always be my best. But he takes me to another level, though. Awesome. Because he's always watching me. Like, and he mimics everything I do. He's he's not even three yet. (laughs) (laughs) He's not even three yet. And he's mimicking everything that I do. Yeah. So I'm just kind of like, wow, this kid is watching everything. Like... So I really got to be on my P's and Q's. I got to stay on top of my game all the time. I have to be on. Mm -hmm. And I take it as the best responsibility that I could ever have. It's really, it's kind of a cool feeling to know that your son's looking up to you Mm -hmm. and you want him, you want to do great things so that people are one day looking up to him. Mm -hmm. Yes. Exactly. I love that. That's such a good way to put it. Uh, what would your advice be to, to parents out there on how to be a more empowering parent and, and someone who really teaches their, their kid, whether they're three like your son or whether they're 10 or 13 or 21, um, those lessons that are so needed in this world? You know, it's really important for us to guide them in the right direction And at the same time, with guidance comes, you're not forcing. Mm, Guidance is something where 
you give them options, you let them know what could happen if they make the incorrect options. Mm -hmm. Because if your kid starts doing drugs, for instance, and gets locked up, you just let them know that they have the option to do that, but mm -hmm. they have to deal with the consequence of the option that they choose. And it's not to say one's, one, one is clearly right and one is clearly wrong, but it's not to say you won't love them regardless of the options they take. Yeah. Like they have to be able to live mm -hmm. just as, as adults, we have lived and made good choices and have made bad choices. Mm -hmm. And that love is, it's such an important thing to know that you can actually screw up and still be loved. <laughs> know that you have to deal with the consequence and, and eat the consequence that you get, but know that you're going to be loved no matter what. I think that's so big for the kids and for the adults, honestly. That's a beautiful answer, man. I, I, really, I really, really like that. Um, Thank you. So what, what was the transition from being you know, an international fighter on the world scene, highly successful with some, some really good stats to becoming a mindset coach and you know, having this desire to share all of these nuggets with other people? Well, it's something that I've always kind of done, mm -hmm. um, even before fighting. Fighting just helped me tailor it and tighten it even more. Epic. Um, like I have a message called greatness within, mm -hmm. and it's just be the best version of yourself. And the best version isn't always the easy version. Like there's times when you get up and you don't want to get up. There's times when you have to do something and you don't want to do it. <laughs> and there's, there's times when I have to train clients and there's sometimes the hardest clients, yeah. but I, do, you know, <laughs> I get some of my best lessons from the hardest clients Yeah, for sure. because I have, to, I have to look at them through their, through their framework. I know my framework already. So saying just do it, that works for me because that's what I know. Okay, I, I, what do you have to do? I just have to do it. Yeah. But not everybody knows just do it. Not everybody, some people have never had the success to understand just do it. So you have to take them through their own world in their own way of doing. And it all starts with a thought. It does start with a thought. You have to have big thoughts. And sometimes I don't think people think big enough. I think the bigger you think, the more you'll get done. And that's what I love as being a mindset coach is just, I get to think as big as I want. No one can stop me from that. I had one specific client who was dealing with a meth addiction Wow. and people didn't want me to take that case. Mm -hmm. And that's when I had to take the case. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're telling me what I can't do. And now I got to try it. <laughs> yep. And he's crushing it right now. Right. You know, and he, he did have a slip up. He did have a slip up. But he slipped once and then he got back on. He got back on. And I think it's important for people to realize transitions take time. Transformation takes time. It's not an instant thing. Mm -hmm. And I led him through the process and let him know that. Like, look, if if transitions didn't take time. I would just tell a person what to do and they would be millionaires and have six packs. Yep. <laughs> if it was that easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's a process. Mm -hmm. And I go, That's even the caterpillar has to struggle to become a butterfly. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
And it's actually funny because I think on paper, the fundamentals are so simple, but there's such a big difference between things being simple and things being easy. And people like to, to take the easy route because it's comfortable and it's, you know, it's what they know. Um, but sometimes the simplest things like taking accountability or taking responsibility are actually the hardest things. And sometimes in transformation, actually the, the really, really simple things are the things that people completely overlook or they overlook the importance of the seemingly insignificant things because they're not easy, but they're so simple. Yeah, you know, it's, it's crazy because someone, I don't remember who said this. I've, I've heard it a couple of times though. But they say it's it's easy to do it. It's just easy not to do it too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And so if you if you've gotten used to the easy not to do it, then it becomes really easy not to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. Yeah. But so these, I mean, these answers I've, I've been, a fire. <laughs> yeah. I, I've I've been I've been a fat kid. Yeah. And I love my sweets. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been a thin person, and. I love eating clean now, mm-hmm. you know, and I still like my sweets, but I like them within reason. I, I don't eat even close to the same way that I used to eat. Yeah. And it, it, it does take practice and, and to have that transformation. Yeah. It takes energy. It absolutely does. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes the best movies anyway. Like, yeah. have you ever, no one ever goes to a movie to watch no struggle at all. Like they just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, started off great. <laughs> <laughs> the end. I hope, you ha- I hope you enjoyed that hour and a half. <laughs> their, their, their life was effortless. There we go. Blockbuster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so when people do that kind of stuff, it just becomes, it's like, uh, well, that was boring. Like, we like the struggle. True. And that's the thing. Like, when I, when I go through coaching people, because I've actually coached people who have dealt with traumas too. And one thing is you cannot erase a trauma and just say the trauma didn't happen. Yeah, don't let that affect but, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But you can use that trauma to empower a person. Yeah, 100%. You can tell them it wasn't fair and it wasn't right, but how can you find strength from this? Because it's with you. It's a part of you now. Mm-hmm. It's the thing, same thing as a scar. If you have a scar and you're looking at the scar, I'm like, oh, the scar's ugly. Oh, my goodness, the scar looks... Hideous. I hate this scar. Well, so you get a couple of options. You can get plastic surgery or you can appreciate the scar for however you got it. Mm-hmm. Or you can bitch about the scar. You get that option too. It's just... They're all choices. You're not going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah. You get, you're not going to be very happy. Yeah. One of the things... I would ask... One of the keywords. I want to ask you. Oh, yeah. Now you go. Okay. I wanted to ask you. So for powerlifting, how long have you been doing it for? Around three and a half years. Um, okay. With a wee bit of intermittence sometimes just due to excuses like traveling um, and one very insignificant in, uh, injury. But I'd say about three and a half years. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Mm. I love it, man. I love it. It's like I played uh, soccer when I was a kid. I played cricket. I played uh, like I played so many sports, but never really committed to one. And this is the one that I'm like, I want to take this all the way. So 
Yeah, I'm going. Going hard. Oh, man. I'm, but the biggest thing is you won't regret it if you do. Yeah. You go as far as you can and you just, there's no regret. Yeah. It's one of the keywords I see um, on your website and, you know, just throughout your social media quite often is the word optimism. For you, how has optimism played out in your life and how important do you think that is as a skill? Optimism is the one most important skill you can have. Now, when I say this, there are several one most important skills. <laughs> I like saying there are subtle truths and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> so responsibility, that's an important skill. You know, grit, that's an important skill. Optimism, that's another important skill. Optimism is a game changer mm-hmm. because it allows you, it frees you to be open, to see possibility. Yeah. And to see solutions and problems. And optimism doesn't mean like, okay, we're going to smile all the time and just be happy all the time. It just means there's, even through shit, there's still something else on the end. Mm-hmm. If I get fed a shit sandwich, the next sandwich I eat is going to taste a hell of a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what optimism is. Yeah, it just it keeps you moving in the direction that you need to move into. Mm-hmm. It's funny because all of these things are so intertwined, right? Like if you take accountability and you take responsibility, you build grit, you decide to choose oh. optimism, you decide to choose the, you know, seeing the best in a potentially negative situation. These are all choices that all come and are so intertwined. So it's like, it's almost like fulfillment is a package of all of these skills. And without one of them, it just wouldn't all work properly. It would be like a missing puzzle piece. Yeah, it's very true. Like, I kind of think of it as, so I have five steps Mm -hmm. that I I take my clients through. And we really, we deep dive into these steps. And I'll I'll go over the steps really quick, but it's it's have a big thought. You know, think big in life, have a plan of action, and it's got to have a short term and a long term. It doesn't mean that the plan can't change, but have a plan and have a smart plan where it's specific, it's measurable, it's obtainable and relevant to what you're trying to do. And there's a time limit behind it. Yeah. Awesome. And then it's taking intense, intense action and have faith and take responsibility is the fifth step. Mm-hmm. And so the steps people can look at the steps and say, oh, okay, well, I knew that. But no, it's the practice within the steps. Mm -hmm. So knowing it is cool. Like knowing it, that's great. But you can know how to ride a bike and not be able to ride a bike. Yep. The only way you're going to ride the bike is by getting on the bike. (laughs) Probably falling over a few times. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And that's what it, it comes down to. And so even for like my pull in fighting at the highest level, you get to see like you're even if you're good on a small stage, you're not so good when you get to a bigger stage. So you have to grow up and yeah. then the stage gets bigger and you have to grow more. And then the stage gets bigger and you got to grow more. <laughs> yep. so, yeah. You got you to gotta keep moving because right out of high school, I was actually I was a state champion. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was a state champion at Mount Point High School. 
And I got into ASU. Well, I went to Mesa Community for a couple of years and then ended up transferring over to ASU. And I wrestled with those guys. I got tossed in my head. Yeah. And the first thing I'm like, I'm like, damn, I was a state champion. <laughs> and the guy goes, we're all state champions here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of like, okay, well, lesson learned. And all I did was I kept coming back and kept coming back because eventually you get leverage is on your side. Mm -hmm. If you keep coming back, if you go through the bumps in your life, then leverage will be on your side mm -hmm. and you start getting better faster. Like that's, that's why they say the rich are rich and the poor stay poor. Mm -hmm. Well, the rich have rich ideas. Uh, yes. The poor have poor ideas. Yes. And it's not a, it's not a bad or a good thing. It's just, just is. that's what you, yeah, that's the yeah. world, you know. Mm -hmm. So the only way you can change that is changing the world, mm -hmm. changing the situations that you're in, change the people you surround yourself with, mm -hmm. change the education that you're getting, change all of that. And then you'll start moving in the direction that you need to move into. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the words you said earlier is something that I just have a huge amount of trust in, which is faith. And mm -hmm. I, I believe so many people have such an issue with not being able to see or, or you know, like being really positive about something they can't see how it will play out. How do you build faith within your clients? Like, I think that is such a just, you know, one of those skills that's really glanced over quite often, but is so, so important. So this is where it gets weird. Mm -hmm. um, me getting to the highest levels that I've gotten to, mm -hmm. I had to get there first yeah. before I could tell other people that they could get there too. Nice. So that's where it all starts. And I think sometimes people miss that. Mm -hmm. So they say, I'm going to teach you how to do this but they've never done it themselves. Yeah. So how, like, you have no real say in that. You have to go do it first, and then you can teach other people how to do it. And I guess from that point, you can also say, well, if I can do it, like, you can, honestly, you can do it as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. And that's what, see, I let them know that I'm no different than they are. I'm just a different perspective than them. Mm. But we're all more the same than we're different. We were all born naked. <laughs> we were all born not speaking, crying. We were all born not really seeing. So we were all born not quite remembering. Yep. And so we're all way more similar than we realize. Mm, I love that. And when people put that into perspective, that's when it's like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Like even my friend who was dealing with the meth addiction, he didn't realize that I had hardships mm -hmm. because for some strange reason, when you get on TV or if you're a professional or if you're doing anything that's worth doing to somebody, when you do something of success, they think you're different. Yeah. You're no different. Yeah. You're no different. Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with one of my clients, uh, probably about a month ago now. And it was the same sort of thing. Like he, you know, he's been following me for a while before he started to work with me and he's seen my Instagram and me and my wife have been traveling for almost a year now. And like, I, I'm really, really grateful. I live a really, really awesome life. I love, I'm in love with my life. And awesome. 
he he had that same perception was that I I mustn't really have hardship. And mm. I said to him, and I thought it was really interesting, like if I really wanted to, I could write a story right now about all the mm. shit that, that do happen and make my life sound not that great. <laughs> and he was I like, get it. ah, that's, that's kind of an interesting way to put that because I was trying to get him to understand that his situation was not as much to do with the things that are happening to him, but with how he's responding to what's happening to him. And I was like, I yeah. got some shit as well. Like I have some shitty things happen to me and I have yeah. had, had shitty things happen to me. But the difference between me living this life where I'm so fulfilled and so happy is literally because I have chosen to go about them in a different way. And I've chosen to, to change how I think about things. And I think that really started to get him to be like, okay, maybe, maybe things aren't so bad after all. And I think when people are in that position where they have an addiction um, or trauma, like you said, they can just get into that loop or that negative feedback loop of thinking that bad things happen to them. And that's all they're saying. Yeah. One of the craziest things. So I I was speaking with another podcaster Mm -hmm. and she wanted me to find my darkest moments. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she's just going like, well, what's the darkest times you've ever had? Mm -hmm. And I, I started explaining to her some of my dark times. And she goes, you always put a positive spin on all all your dark situations. Like, and I go, well, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of, (laughs) I go, well, what am I going to do with it? Like, there's no point in just like rolling in my darkness. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, it happened, but now I get this. Mm -hmm. Well, that happened, but now I get this out of it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she says, like, have you ever hit rock bottom? And I told her, I don't know if there really is a rock bottom. And yeah. this is just this is just my personal perception of it. But rock bottom to me is see, people have this definition that when you hit rock bottom, it's when you give up yeah. and end your life. And I think people can go even dark in a deeper, darker hole mm-hmm. if people are trying to hurt other people consistently. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's that there is no rock bottom. Yeah. So but and in the reverse of that, there's also the positives to that too. Mm-hmm. There's believing in people, there is giving light, there is loving people, mm-hmm. and it doesn't there's no end to how far it can go. And when you realize that, you realize both sides, you're capable of both things. Mm-hmm. Because I'd be a fool to say that I didn't have a dark side. Yeah. I know that I had. And I, and I respect it. Mm-hmm. I respect it in a way to where I make sure it's never in the driver's seat. Yes. And that's where all the competition and all the, uh, and the, and the repetitiveness and the testing yourself and all those tough times, because they're important times to have. They're so important. Mm-hmm. We talk about the ego being this bad thing. The ego is not a bad thing. It lets you know that you're you. Yes. And let Nick know that Nick's Nick and yes. Cliff know that Cliff's Cliff. Yeah. But an out of control ego, that's when things get bad. That's when things are dangerous. Mm-hmm. When you think you're better than somebody else, mm-hmm. when you think you deserve more than somebody else, mm-hmm. no one deserves more than anybody else. Yeah. We're all one. Uh-huh. We're all one person. You have to go earn your take. Mm-hmm. Go earn it. 
Mm-hmm. 100%. And it's really funny because I have the exact same view when it comes to ego. And it's something I've seen just so prevalent is like almost this ego bashing within the, like the personal development community to some extent and, and the spiritual community, like this, you know, this full attack on the ego and that it shouldn't exist and that having any of it at all is a negative thing. I just don't think that's true. Like there's so many positive sides. Again, I think that's us putting a, a positive spin on something as well. But yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing I notice so often is this whole like, you know, become fearless. And mm-hmm. I did a, a, a post a wee while ago about how I just, it was just fuck fearless because again, like, if you truly did not have fear, you'd probably kill yourself within a week. Like you'd be like, Oh, I wonder yeah. what the, I wonder what the view looks like at the top of that crane. And you know, you'd, yeah. it'd fall off or whatever. So it's more about understanding that these emotions or these feelings or these things are inevitable in your life. But instead of shunning them or being like, get out, go away. It's how do I walk with that? Like, how do I walk with my fear or how do I walk mm-hmm. with my ego? So know so we're united and we can actually work together instead of creating this divisiveness within yourself which is only going to to breed more negativity yes very true Mm. and i think um as human beings and societies societies kind of they have shifts and changes and highs and lows yeah but people don't change yeah you know people as individuals don't change and i think it's funny because they say, oh, you millennials, and oh, the generation <laughs> B, and oh, the, the generation X, and it's like, it's just kids. Yeah. So, yeah, a teenager's acting like a teenager. Yeah. And an adult's acting like an adult, like, and a kid's acting like a kid. So what are we really talking about? Mm-hmm. And so we label, and instead of labeling it, and I'm not saying everyone's doing it, but um, instead of labeling, labeling it as a positive, it's oftentimes labeled as a negative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, teenagers are nuts. Yeah. They're crazy. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Because I was a teenager at one time. I yeah. get it. Yeah. And to be like, oh my God, these, these kids nowadays. <laughs> like, yeah, well, that's what they do. We can make fun of it and laugh about it and have a good time, but that's what they do. Yeah. Getting mad about it doesn't help anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's awesome man so <laughs> before i ask my last question if people want to follow you get in touch check out what you're all about what's the best way for them to do that so you can actually check me out on my website www.cliffordstarks.com i have a youtube channel and i always respond back to my commenters i actually it's a really really nice community i love those people they're they're really sweet people awesome and uh we, we take care of each other and you can also email me at info at cliffordstarks.com. Perfect. And I'll put that all on the show notes so people can go directly to that. Perfect. So for my last question, man, if, if there was someone who was listening and they were at a point wherever they are, how, however old they are, whatever level of success or fulfillment or happiness they've attained so far, and they go holy shit, I've never taken responsibility for anything in my life. How do I start doing that today? What would you say to them? Honestly, I would tell them to email me because <laughs> I would <laughs> want to hear them. 
Yeah. Like I, I really, I'm very fascinated with those kind of stories because I want to allow people to have their power mm-hmm. because my dad allowed me to have mine. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's hard for people to stand up for themselves by themselves at mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they can't get there. That's awesome. And I say the only time I'm looking down at someone is when I'm helping them back up. I love that, man. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I'm going to use that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Well, thank Sharing you. Sharing Thank you so much, brother, for taking some time out of your day to join me on the podcast. Um, like, even myself, I got so much value from this conversation, and I'm sure all of the listeners are just going to be obsessed. So thank you. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate it. No yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. It was a pleasure speaking with you. It was an absolute, an absolute blast. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, brother. You take care. See you, man. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Limitless Podcast. I hope you got so much value from that episode. And if you did, I would absolutely love if you could hop on over to iTunes and leave a review. And also tag me on Instagram at The Limitless Podcast.